You're listening to What It's Like with Luce, a podcast highlighting ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Lucy Norris, and on today's episode, I'm chatting with founder and CEO of the City Girl Network. Starting out her career in journalism as a way to entertain her passion for music, this female founder had her sights set on making a difference from the very beginning. Experiencing that all-too-familiar sense of graduate anxiety and fish-out-of-water syndrome, she left the world of PR and chaotic city of London for the idyllic shores of Brighton, where the lightbulb moment struck. Setting up an event in the hope to make some friends in her new city, she quickly realized the power of people in numbers and thus the idea to create a global network of like-minded women who were all finding their feet in new places across the globe was born. Sharing her story, here's what it's like to be Pippa Moyle. Before we get stuck into the episode, I just wanted to say that if there is a drop in sound quality throughout, I'm very sorry, but in respect of social distancing during COVID-19, I've had to record episodes remotely. In this challenging time, we're all trying our best, so I really hope everyone is staying safe and that you enjoy the episode. Welcome, Pippa. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I think the first point we should start at is at the very beginning. So if you wanted to tell me a little bit more about what it was like for you growing up, I think you grew up in Brighton, correct me if I'm wrong, and what it kind of was about your experiences growing up that made you choose to study journalism. Well, thank you very much for having me on your wonderful podcast. I'm very excited. Um, So actually, uh, it's social media deception there. I actually was born in Luton and spent a lot of my teenage life in Milton Keynes. So it's a very, very different, um, I sort of wish sometimes I'd grown up in Brighton. Sorry, mum and dad. But um, it's it's been kind of a very, I'd say, ordinary, um, like, British upbringing. So... Um, yeah, grew up in Luton for the first 10 years of my life and then moved to Milton Keynes when I was 10. Spent my um, whole time as a teenager there, kind of like, you know, being a typical probably Milton Keynes teenager of like uh, wanting to get out, <laughs> I think. Um, but really where my interest in journalism came was actually um, originally from music because, um, you know, true to my background, I am um, I'm a musician. I've played um, the piano since I was six. I've um, been writing songs since I was uh, since I could talk, according to my mother. Um, and writing really for me became about giving um, young musicians a platform um, and helping them to well to get to new audiences because I realised how difficult it was as somebody who at the time was aspiring to be an artist and a songwriter. I think I was about 12 when that that realisation came. Um, And yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that I wrote about when I was much younger, so I think from the age of about 13, was all about musicians in Milton Keynes and and the surrounding areas. And as time developed, I started to realise the real kind of um, social injustice that was happening in different areas of Milton Keynes because I became involved in this youth project called Make a Difference and worked um, with a lot of people who were either disabled or from really, really hard backgrounds, helping them to develop writing skills, photography skills, because um, I've always been one of those people who's been like, an, uh, overachieved was the wrong word, because um, I'm not a straight A student, but certainly somebody who like loved to read, 
forever trying to find out something new, always love picking up a camera, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and hearing the stories of, um, of, these, of these people and, you know, the idea of um, really uh, racial and generation injustice, it was, just became something that I felt that I needed to write about. Um, and that's really what led me to get a degree in journalism that isn't just focused on music and learning a bit more about um, the world around me and politics. And it sort of helped me to become, I suppose, who I am today. Um, but it's music, actually, that I have to thank for that. That's really cool, because I also saw I was having a little stalk of your LinkedIn um, and I saw that you did some work experience in NME as well, which must have been pretty yeah. fun. Oh, that was amazing. That was such a dream come true. It was really expensive <laughs> because oh. I was um, having to, so it was, yeah, it was a work experience, but you weren't paid. But I did get to write um, in the magazine itself. I got to do a lot of um, sub-editing. I worked really closely with Matt Wilkinson, who was a new music editor. So it was a real amazing dream. And actually, I did eventually end up getting um, commissioned for a couple of pieces. So it's sort of like worth it in the end. But mm-hmm. the thing that I think I know that it's a conversation in media a lot, but um, about 10, 11 years ago when I was trying to break into internships and things like that and into the media scene, um, you did have to pay for your travel and your accommodation and your lunch and things like that. So um, yeah, it was so amazing. And I feel really privileged that I could um, scrape the pennies, but um, I think that's something actually that I'd really like the media to to change. And I think that's another sort of lesson from that whole experience. But it's still amazing. Wouldn't replace it. I actually also did some work experience at Rock Sound too, which was another just unbelievable experience and went to some amazing gigs as well. Um, and got to uh, just meet so many wicked, amazing people in the industry. So very lucky. So I guess, so you went to, you studied journalism at Sheffield. And then when you graduated, how did you kind of find it moving into the media industry straight from graduation? Well, um, it's quite interesting because I, um, when I was at Sheffield, I actually also ran a publication um, and created a publication called Liberty Bell Magazine, which was for um, female students living in Sheffield. Um, which was targeted towards female students, but was actually um, about a 60-40 split for women to men, the people that was working on it. So that was a really amazing opportunity. Um, And sort of through that, and also through um, my links at The Enemy and and The Guardian and other um, northern groups and northern magazines, I was able to do quite a lot of um, of writing and reviewing when I was actually at Sheffield University. It's also a great link. But really, my first job was actually in um, PR, which was a very strange step for me, um, which I'll explain in a moment. But um, that job came from networking and um, knowing a lot of journalists in the industry. And then um, I also actually went to the Brighton Institute of Modern Music to study songwriting before I did journalism. Um, And when I was was at sort of a, they call it BIM, when I was at a BIM networking event, um, I ended up meeting the boss of my first PR job and, um, and it sort of went from there. So I'd finished my degree on Friday um, and already had the job that I started on the Monday. So um, I was really wow. lucky. Yeah, I know. I know it's job, <laughs> I have to say. Um, and that job wasn't for me because I've always been a creator and I think that I was quite naive at the time in understanding what PR actually was. 
and that you know you really do spend a lot of your time just asking journalists to write things that you would actually quite like to develop skills in yourself yeah. so on the side I did quite a lot of um say freelance journalism work where I at least pitched to as many people as possible and um kept blogging and kept writing for as many different free publications as possible um and then left the job in PR because again it just wasn't for me and spent five months working out what I was gonna do and <laughs> ended up moving back to Brighton um and going into content marketing and still writing on the side um so that but that's I just knew that I needed to return to Brighton because I knew that I'd find I sound really strange to say but I just knew I'd find myself in Brighton and figure it all out um the London route just wasn't it wasn't for me um I just wasn't that person as as I thought I would I would be when I was younger but as it turns out, I'm much more connected to this little seaside city that I now call home. Yeah, I think the London thing is really interesting. As a fellow journalist, or, you know, I graduated two years ago, so I'm still kind of at the beginning of entering into the industry stage. But I had the same thing when I graduated from college, you know, it was kind of an almost expected step to pick up everything and go slum it in London, you know, basically working for free because you have to do all these internships and stuff. And I've also just found that it wasn't for me. I don't really know why, because I also thought when I was younger, I was like London, a hundred percent, but it's just kind of different when you get there. I'm not really sure what it is about it, but so you have Pippa Says blog and also Brighton Girl Mag before you had City Girl Network. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. So um, Pippa says my blog, it's, um, it's been going for 10 years. It's, it's in a very different place right now. And I, and I honestly have no idea what's going to happen with it next because City Girl is now my love and my life. But um, what the, the story of Brighton Girl actually goes that um, I'd moved. So I've been through the PR job. I've moved back to Brighton. And I'd sort of naively expected to have this move back to Brighton that would be um, you know, all encompassing. I'd have all my friends back from BIM. Um, and because even though I went to Sheffield, I did spend a lot of time coming back to Brighton and having this life. But a lot of my friends had actually moved from, um, from Brighton at that point. And I think I went through this, um, what I now know as a kind of graduate anxiety of um, not really knowing where my social group was. Because I've been in school and university and college kind of back to back for as long as my social existence you know I'm, I'm sure that you probably even know what I'm talking about so a lot of people seem yeah. to um and I was basically it's, it's a wonderful cliche story where I was walking along the seafront feeling all of this pent-up frustration that um I basically didn't have many friends um and feeling really quite lonely and I just saw this girl who was the same height as me also brunette um she was running and that's only difference I wasn't I wasn't really a runner <laughs> Still, I'm not a runner. Um, and she was just obviously, probably, let's face it, taking a break, but looking out to sea. And I just thought, like, I wonder if she feels how I feel. Um, and, like, I wonder if, if maybe she's found her place. Like, how did she find her place? And just got really into this whole idea. And I think it's because I am a creative writer, of, like, imagining what this random girl's world was like. And I just thought, you know, I think I need to create a voice for this person. Um, and start to connect these other Brighton girls and then obviously at that moment I was like oh my god I'm gonna make another magazine this is it so I went home got Brighton Girl Mag domain set up the whole website um, created the Facebook page and things like that 
Um, and I spent six months just like trying to get people to write on the magazine as well, because that's of course how Liberty Bell was. So I thought it would all be the same there, um, but it wasn't. And it was a really um, quite a grafting six months of trying to get all this content together. I did luckily from being in the blog world, have some lovely blogger friends who were like, you can reshare my content, which was so kind. And I still love them for it today. But it wasn't really until about six months in on um, the wonderful date of March the 13th, I never forget, when I just decided to organise an event where I just invite as many people who um, class themselves as, you know, a Brighton girl, kind of a, at the time a young woman living in Brighton, just to come for a coffee. And my whole sly plan was to make them think they were coming for a coffee, but actually it was for a focus group and a recruitment sesh for the magazine. Um, <laughs> which um which like all my friends just kind of love that's like so sly but um as it happens even though i just expected one or two people to turn up and i just put it on meetup.com which i'd like never knew before which is funny now because i use it so often but um it actually turned out that 17 people turned up and i had no idea who they were they didn't know who each other were and as i was uh, basically we were meeting upstairs in this um nice venue and I was just greeting more and more people. And I was like, how did you hear about this? And oh, it's like, I'm like yeah, like nobody's ever hosted a meetup like this before, where it's just um, in Brighton, where it's just be going meet for coffee and just chat. So I wanted to come and I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. And I just went upstairs and saw all of these girls making friends. Um, and just thought like, oh, wow. Like it's not content that they need necessarily. It's actually just a community and a group. And since then, these 17 women of which I know all of their names um, so it's you know so monumental um, I mean I've been to baby showers and Hindus and weddings of all of these women who have just all, they became friends through that particular day and of course the group has expanded I mean we've got nearly 8,000 now in Brighton Girl which is amazing but it's just so it was such an integral moment um, so in a, in a hopefully an interesting anecdote that, yes, I did start off with Pippa Says and Brighton Girl Mag, but it really evolved into the community and um, the way that City Girl evolved from there is that six months later, um, from, from this wonderful group growing and growing and growing, had about 500 girls at that point, and this is one monumental day in September of 2016, I believe it was, um, somebody came up to me and said, oh, Pippa, I have to move to Edinburgh. Um, like, do you, do you think it's possible we could set up an Edinburgh girl? I was like, hmm, haven't thought about that. Okay. And then literally two minutes later, another girl came up to me and said, I have to move to Berlin for work. Do you think I could set up a Berlin girl? And I thought, oh my goodness, I could set up the City Girl Network. And it just sort of happened. Um, and over really genuinely overnight, it was like, okay, I'm going to set up the City Girl Network and this, and like, I have no idea how this is going to work and literally no experience in setting this up, but I'm going to do it. Um, and that really is how City Girl was, became alive because people just really wanted it. And I realised that it's such, it became such an important thing that they, that they had a connection. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how City Girl was created anyway. <laughs> no, that's a really nice story. I think as well, it's something that so many people can relate to and especially now kind of in the climate of the world well before COVID but you know everyone moves around so much for jobs and it's kind of like six months here a year here whatever so it, it is becoming a lot 
harder, I think, to meet people where you live when you move because as well, what I found when you're a graduate, you don't really have that comfort bubble, I guess, of going to university where everyone's going to be in the same boat, you know, so everyone kind of has to make friends with each other. You're on your own in a city where no one has to help you if they don't want to. So I think it's so nice that you've set up this network and in a way a comfort blanket for women to to go and find and to feel a bit more at home in such a foreign place so once you had the idea and you kind of realized this could be something what were the steps then you took to to create your network and expand it further than those places what was it berlin and edinburgh that you kind of initially started with um that's a very very good question and and there are times when i look back and it's just a blur um, I put in a lot of hours and didn't sleep very much. So essentially, um, I I think the biggest thing that has always been the case with City Girl is that I have the people. So we grow by about 300 members a week at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, it's always been about kind of working out how to create services, I suppose, for them. Because um, it's all about the people for me. So really, the simplest way to say it is that I set up, Facebook group and meetup page because I'm meetup and since that March the 13th 2016 has been integral to our growth and um, because it allows you to kind of capture people that aren't necessarily friends with someone who knows us on Facebook and um, so it's very much been about um creating so I'd have community managers um which again so like working out how that whole thing would work so to set up a city, it is as simple as somebody says that they want to help us set up a city. We create a Facebook group and a meetup group and then a couple of pages on the website and say to the community manager, you know, okay, so we, we need you to run um, a coffee meetup once a month and a drinks meetup once a month. And that is, that's it. And then you can develop your um, city in the way that you want to and, um, you know, run some, it's all completely voluntary. Even myself is voluntary at the moment. Um, and you can sort of create what you would like to create. So, for example, um, one lovely story is um, Manchester Girl. So um, once we set up Berlin and Edinburgh and kind of worked out what, what we were actually doing and what that really meant with the communities, uh, I think it was Bristol Girl and then, and then Manchester Girl was fifth. And Manchester Girl was actually one of the girls from the original 17 moved over to Manchester for work and asked to set it up. And that was like a really lovely story. So um, she set it up over there. Um, she'd been quite integral in kind of helping me in the, in the first place work out exactly what the City Girl Network is as a business um, and kind of get used to this whole idea of being an entrepreneur because she was an entrepreneurial coach at the time. Okay. And um, she then there sort of set up um, walking groups and bit clubs and um, gosh, all sorts we've got um, loads of stuff that's always happening in Manchester Girl um, and created a, a sort of network of sort of 21, 22 different volunteers and that's been quite an, a really interesting space because I also met Rachel who I also run this with and she's a really important part through that particular Manchester Girl group. Um, I'm hoping this answers your question because it's all been very, um, it's all been like a really interesting um, like sort of evolution over the last um, three to four years um, but we run City Girl Network is really set up of events of the community itself which is an online community as much as anything um, and then also a magazine which the magazine itself we, we're actually shutting down Brighton Girls um, mm-hmm. because I realised that um, so we've got a good 
I think it's maybe about 100 writers on the City Girl website, on the City Girl magazine, which um, again, is like completely voluntary. And it's all about giving a platform to women who are wanting to create a portfolio and a space to write and a space to share their thoughts. Um, so that's become a real focus. As it's evolved over time, it's just been about working out what, um, like what services we can offer and what the girls really need from us and then going and creating it from there. And do you do this uh, full time? I mean, I put in the full time hours. So yeah. um, I do do it 40 hours a week. So that's absolutely the, the case. Um, I'm actually a lecturer at BIM. So I've actually gone from Oh, no back. way. <laughs> I know. So, um, yeah, I actually teach um, business and um, music business and um, career development. Um, just a couple of days a week, but um, it's enough to keep me going. And on the months when we're not making any money from paid events or, or Patreon or anything like that, um, it keeps the network running. So, um, you know, I'm still very much the sole uh, breadwinner <laughs> for the network um, for many, many reasons as well. Like, so um, I've been through a couple of months when, I put, when I've um, been able to pay for myself through the network, but it just needs a lot of investment at the moment. Um, in order to keep going because the more we grow the more expensive it the more expensive it is um, as I'm sure many um, many founders have actually found so for this at this moment in time I am a lecturer as as well as the founder. Do you think that you'd ever kind of take it to that next step and maybe look for outside investment? Well um, I have to say, so my entire plan is for the City Girl Network to become a business where I hopefully become a millionaire. Who knows? I know it's like the dream. Um, yeah, where I'm full time, where I'm actually employing people. Um, my entire dream is to have a foundation for female entrepreneurs like myself, where they can actually go and get loans um, that, you know, from it easier because I've, I've looked at loads of different ways of financing the business. And you always have to give away a slice of the pie whenever you do that yeah. or um, you know the interest rates are like so astronomically high so loads of things i think what um i went through actually um the beginnings of a seed funding round about a year and a bit ago when i was putting everything together i was talking to a couple of really interesting investors and and, to, and also speaking to friends of mine who have got you know millions of pounds um from like in seed investment which is something that i would certainly that i was looking to do because I, I would really like to develop this into a tech platform that is a social network but the trouble is is that you you do have to give away and you, you do have to give away part of your business and i don't mind at all giving away a slice of the pie to somebody that i feel really understands the vision um, but right now the vision is still evolving and um this this network is more than um, more than a money-making business it's actually a lifeline for a lot of women so through covid and um, in particular actually um, we've had double the amount of women who suffer from domestic violence need our support and bringing them to charities and we've had so many women having to find new forms of temporary work new places to live because perhaps they don't get on with a partner or don't get on with a housemate so it's become a very very important lifeline for a lot of women so the idea of then inviting in an investor um, who then you know wants me to change everything and and puts on all these targets um, that are all money related, which I, I agree are very important. But it's much better to preserve the and protect the women in the network than um, than strive for my dream to be a multimillionaire at this moment in time, anyway.
And you touched on COVID there briefly. Um, and I don't think we can kind of not speak about it um, considering today's circumstances. But how do you find that the virus has changed your business or has it in a way maybe helped it because you've had to, you know, get creative online and maybe there's more eyeballs coming to your your network because people have more time to be online or how have you found it? Oh, well, it's been, it's it's sort of, in a sense, without sounding too dramatic, it's actually sort of pivoted slightly the business because I'd spent, I've spent months working on some really lovely financial projections for the summer of like amazing events that we could put together that would be great for the network and also would start to really put money into the pot and enable our community manager to be paid and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and you know, speaking to some really cool brands about some sponsorship that we could do and how we could partner together. But then COVID's meant that we can't meet in real life. Um, and that's been... You know, I'm, I, gosh, I can't even imagine how, how other events companies must be feeling, but it's certainly been very frustrating for me. Um, but actually, as it turns out, um, what I've really seen is um, the important aspects of the network more than any, anything before. So, for example, um, there have been so many women. Um, it's been really quite scary. The amount of women who are not in safe situations who are coming to the network to get advice and to get help. Um, because the services um, are who you know that do deal with kind of domestic and sexual violence are actually really stretched. So that's been one thing that's been really really interesting, of thinking you know, okay, so I've been thinking about all these different events that we could do, but what about all of these women who are who are desperately needing um, our help? So that's been one really interesting thing. I think another one's been um, actually the development of virtual events and looking into how we could build the, um, bring us together as a whole. So at the moment, the Citadel Network is made up of lots of different collectives. Um, and, you know, my entire mission is to help women feel at home in their city. And the Citadel Network umbrella is there for really uh, facilitating that and ensuring that there's consistency across all networks, that um, our community managers get support and that women can change between cities as well. Um, and I think what COVID's done is just showcase how we can bring together, bring people together in different places. Um, I've also noticed the importance of books as well um, in terms of, you know, City Girl is a, essentially is a lifestyle group. We do, of course, want to help people with um, finding jobs. And we've actually helped um, about six and a half thousand people find work, either temporary or permanent, which is such an achievement that I didn't even consider at the time. It's been really interesting to understand what it is women actually want. And it's certainly changed the way that I'm looking at City Girl just for the future, just forever, and how we could be working a lot, close, a lot more closely with authors and publishers to ensure that they are really um, delivering the product that actually we want. So it's a terrible, terrible time, but I have to see the positive in it really, because I, I feel that I understand our network and you know, really understand them so much better, possibly because I spend more time online as well. Um, and so do they. So yeah, it's been really eye-opening. Yeah, that's amazing. It sounds like you've really done incredible work for the women in your network. So definitely deserve like a round of applause for that because that's that's incredible that you're able to make those people feel safe just by being there for them online, I guess. But um, I'd be interested to know, in your opinion, what makes your network, say, different to other networks that might be out there? What would you say is your 
unique selling point as a network? Oh, that's a good question. So um, what makes us different? Um, you know, I think that what, what makes us different um, is that we aren't about helping kind of, we're not directly here to help women become like girl bosses or amazing in business or, um, you know, become different from anything that they already are. So it is really about um, being a part of their life rather than being an, an addition to their life. Um, I think a lot of um, the feedback that we've had um, has really been about the fact that, you know, they'll, as part of their day, they will log on to their respective Facebook group and, and find out what's going on. Um, it becomes, so it's, it's sort of about being a part of their life, a part of their social life. And it's amazing that we can help women in business and it's amazing that we can help them um, in these really difficult circumstances when they need to contact charities and the police. But ultimately, we're, we are about just being there, being their friend, actually. Um, and um, we really put people at the heart of it. We're also um, free. We can, we're, I'm all about making sure that women aren't paying in order to make friends. Um, another amazing network that I hugely love is Girlgren International. And they're all about women who travel around and, um, and, and they're sort of trying to figure out, like find themselves when they're traveling and get connections because they're kind of temporary. And I, and I would definitely always encourage everybody to be a part of that network. It's just that the City Girl Network is more um, holding on to them for, for life. Um, and my entire dream is for them as they move around to always have a City Girl Network near them. And it's really how we've been developing as well as the fact that every single one of our networks has been set up by somebody now who um, either has a friend that's involved in the city girl network or has been in a city girl network and feels that the new city they've gone to they just don't have that connection so i suppose that's yeah that's that's really what i'm trying to create and i think it's actually what people are finding as well yeah i think you've definitely done an amazing job with with what you have, but um, kind of touching on that, I'd be curious to know if you have a personal idea of what success would look like or what that word means to you. Ah, wonderful question. Um, you know, I think that for me, success genuinely is, um, first of all, being able to pay for um, myself, <laughs> which would be amazing. Um, so there's the financial aspect, which is paying for me and for Rachel and for all of our amazing community managers and editors, um, because, you know, financial freedom is amazing. And I would just love to be able to do that, along with the um, setting up the foundation and helping other female entrepreneurs. So that's one thing that I know success will be in the future. I believe it's going to happen. Just don't know when. Um, but the other thing is actually like I feel successful every time I'm able to um, house um, a, a Brighton girl or a Bristol girl, which is unfortunately the two cities at the moment with the biggest domestic violence rate for us. Um, I feel so successful every time I can get um, one of our city girls to safety. Um, I feel successful every time somebody posts about kind of a breakup that they're going through and then like hundreds of women are just like, oh my God, I know what you mean. Like, let me sort this out. Um, I actually felt successful the other day when um, the, somebody in, in Brighton um, had posted in the Brighton Girl group saying that a, woman, um, a woman's son um, had lost his Xbox and he was really, really upset about it. They had no money to buy anything else. 
Um, does anybody have something spare? He's really struggling because he's got um, a type of autism. And the whole network just crewed together and within 20 minutes, the Xbox was bought, the Xbox was bought and it was just oh. a moment of like, wow, that's, that's really cool. Um, and over Christmas, um, one big success for us was um, I just decided to give something back to the community of Brighton because they've been so generous to myself um, and the City Girl Network. So I set up a campaign called The Big Wrap where we got um, people to basically donate presents to people in uh, homeless and sexual violence and domestic violence charities. And managed to get a thousand presents from the people of Brighton and Hove. And that was a real like amazing, like wow moment. So it's actually, we're gonna be doing that now citywide every year. So that's um, you know something I'm really excited about for Christmas. But yeah, I think my success just comes from the stories and the people, because I am essentially being a journalist as well it's um and having that kind of mindset it is all about people and stories and the more i create those stories the more successful i feel and then of course i put that energy back into making more successful stories i love that about the stories that's that's such a nice take on success um but i really relate to to the stories element of what you're saying there and that's really nice um so then my last question for you today and i'll let you get on with your afternoon if i put your 10 year old self in front of you from where you're sitting now today and having accomplished everything you've accomplished and been through all the ups and downs what is the biggest piece of advice you would give your 10 year old self moving forward in life um i think it would be to be brave um because what i've done in fact when i was 10 i was not very brave at all um and uh just terrified of everything so um, really always wanting to do things right and to please everybody but um over just the last four or five years taking that step and being brave um i think that's what's got me here so i just wish i could tell my 10 year old self that everything's going to be okay and to um, embrace the nerd that i was rather than pretending to be the cool girl that would be a really good one um and um, you know, just being brave enough to actually play the more difficult piano pieces and to stand up in front of school and, um, and to sing in front of people. Um, I think that's, that's what everybody should do anyway, um, as, my, as, a, as a big belief. But my 10-year-old self really needed to not be so scared of everything. Well, thank you so, so much, Pippa. I really appreciate your time. And um, thanks for sharing all your interesting insights with us. It's been really nice chatting to you today. You too. It's been a real pleasure. And I really wish you luck with this amazing podcast that you've created and your career as well. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, please rate, share and leave a comment if you like what you hear. And don't forget to follow at what it's like pod on Instagram and Facebook. For more information on the City Girl Network, visit the links in the show notes. I'll be back on Thursday with more inspiring stories, but for now, this has been What It's Like with Luce.